Hello, hello, and welcome. You are listening to The Spiritual Exercises. I'm Rachel Amaday. It is January 2nd, 2023. So happy new year, um, at least to the fiscal new year for all of us. Um, those of you that study the biblical calendars and the Hebraic calendars, you know this isn't actually the religious new year, but this is a fiscal new year for us. And oftentimes at this time of year, we are thinking about what seeds to be planting for the next season, where we want to make changes, and how to do that. Now, I'm not a huge fan of doing the um, New Year's resolution. And I know a lot of people do it and have some success with it. A lot of people do it and they fail by the second day. That's more like me. (laughs) So, But I am about having better habits um, and better mindsets. And that should be something we should be striving for the entire year. Also, one thing that I'm looking forward to this next year is spending more time listening to the Lord. And I wanted to talk about prayer because our prayer lives are essential and so important. I want to talk about what it means to wait on the Lord and what prayers you've been waiting for Him to answer. But before I start into that, I literally just came across something that was so appropriate for the content that I prepared for today. And um, this writer says this, Christ is the roadmap for us and has always been, but we, in our insistence of being in control and our rebellion against that dependency upon the preeminence of Christ, have always sought to know more than we needed to know in any particular day. So we built roads to where we thought Christ should be heading rather than being satisfied with his daily directions and provision via the Holy Spirit. Christ is our only reality in this journey, and there's no doubt that he is stripping down what is known as his church to its bare essentials, leaving us with only one option, to let him lead us. I think that is such a beautiful reminder as we enter into the next year. Boy, the last few years have been tough socially, uh, financially, for many people very much emotionally as well. And perhaps it is that God is wanting to strip down his people to the bare essentials to make us completely reliant upon him. And I'll be frank, in my journey over the last few years, I've had a lot of moments of anger over this. I've had frustration over this. I've had prayers I've been praying for decades that I felt like God won't answer or is just ignoring. But I know, I know the reality is that his timing is better than mine and his will for my life is better than mine. Sometimes it's just hard to hand over those plans and it's hard to trust. But I was reminded that years ago, I co-wrote a song called Wait Well with some friends at Journey Church. And it was an idea produced from a young woman who'd been waiting on God to help her find her life partner. I think she was approaching 30 at the time without an option for a life partner in sight, and she decided to submit herself to the waiting process. Needless to say, today she now boasts a boyfriend that looks like husband material, and she seems happier than she's been in a long time, which I love to see. I know how hard it was for her to submit to what God may have wanted for her life at a time where she was lonely. I must admit that I am not as good at waiting for things. I've had prayers lifted to heaven that have spanned 
decades, as I mentioned. I've drained my body of tears. I've spun my wheels in striving to accomplish things I know only God can do. And there's that nagging fear that maybe, just maybe, these are things God doesn't want to do. Maybe he doesn't want to say yes to even the most sincere prayers of goodness that I've had for others. Or maybe I haven't quite yet figured out how to pray the way I need to, or maybe he's given me tools and I've missed them, or maybe, right? All the maybes. It's the maybes that kill me. I'm a doer, waiting this long for anything, especially as I watch myself age, spending time and money and work and tears and sweat on things I really need God to provide. And maybe I haven't let him. I firmly believe that God cannot use you if you are unwilling to get in the car and drive it, right? I mean, just sitting at home twiddling your thumbs is no way to experience the miracles of God. The majority of miracles I see in scripture and answered prayers required some sort of step or movement from those who needed to exhibit faith first to fully receive the work that God intended. And I felt like I haven't been bad at getting in the car and driving it. I've been trying, right? I'm definitely not one to hold back from those steps and movements to the point that I've misstepped many times. I've moved directionally sideways from the original purpose, and I've often gotten caught up in other people's purposes and dreams instead of the purpose God has for me. Are you like this? I have a feeling there are a lot of people out there that are like this. So as we turn into a new global fiscal year, many of you might be making those New Year's resolutions. And boy, if you haven't already worked hard enough, you're about to really put on the engines and burn rubber this year, right? I mean, that's how I usually feel, at least. But consider the ways you are attempting to answer your own prayers. And let's look at some scriptural examples of waiting gone right and gone wrong. In this needing to take things into my own hands, I see myself in Sarah from the Bible. Sweet Sarah, after being barren for her entire marriage to Abraham, God promises that she will have a son. And so she begins with anticipation to wait for that child, to wait and wait and wait and wait. And eventually we see that she forgets that God fulfills his promises. And she asks Abraham to lie with Hagar, her servant, to have the promised son instead. Now, Hagar does have a son, Ishmael, but it is not the son of promise, not the son that comes with Sarah's DNA. She messed up there. She thought God wanted her to take matters into her own hands, or she felt like she needed to take matters into her own hands. And she caused Abraham to also lose faith and sin in order to make up for the long wait that God had intended. Sarah and Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac. 25 years is a very long time. Not only that, but it was a miracle that Sarah could have Isaac at her age at all. Even though they waited great and poorly, right? They waited a long time and they made some big mistakes. God still fulfilled his promises because that's who he is. He always fulfills his promises. He always does what he says he's going to do. We could visit another moment of impatience. King Saul, he was appointed the first king over Israel by the prophet Samuel. And his is a tale of human nature's great and awful capabilities. In one moment, in 1 Samuel 13, Saul has put together ranks of Israelites to fight against the Philistines who were gathered against them. By the way, Saul is prophesied to be the one who would redeem Israel from the Philistines. He was supposed to be doing this. Now, at this time, Samuel had told him to wait seven days. 
upon which Samuel would come and sacrifice on behalf of Israel and the king's war. On that seventh day, Samuel had not yet appeared, and instead of waiting until the day's end, Saul went ahead and sacrificed on his own. This small act of impatience cost him dearly, and Samuel stated, You have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. So honestly, this story here is for those of you that believe there's nothing you can do to mess up God's plans for you. I got to tell you, King Saul would like to have a word with you, okay? It is not true that you won't be able to mess up God's plans for you. You can. King Saul is a great example of it. Faithlessness can derail God's intentions for your life. And only true repentance seems to redeem any aspect of what is lost. You know, Saul didn't really have a heart after God. And this is what Samuel kind of critiques him about, is that he had lacked the heart for God. He was impatient. He wasn't listening. He wasn't waiting on the Lord. He wasn't interested in God's intention in the moment. But had he waited for Samuel to show up? Samuel says God's intention was to establish his kingdom for all time. That is a big, big consequence to impatience. And I would say these acts of impatience are better described as acts of faithlessness. They say everything about what these people believed about God or what they didn't believe about God. We also find beautiful acts of long patience in scripture. Joseph, who was sold into slavery and left at the bottom of the social scrap heap, never seemed to miss an opportunity to work with all he had and to keep his vision of the future. It is believed that Joseph was in his teens when he was sold into slavery and was 30 when he became second in command in Egypt. Somewhere in the vicinity of 13 years of time went by before he was able to physically embrace God's promises to him. 13 years is a long time. We don't like we don't like something that takes 13 years, right? We want it now. We want it today. You know, we can go Google something in 30 seconds and find the answer. We can go to the grocery store and buy what we want. It'll take us five to 10 minutes. We want it right now. But sometimes God's answers to our prayers are long in coming. And we need to stay faithful like Joseph. He waited long years in dire circumstances and experienced victory at the end of his waiting. Beyond victory, he was used of God to save the entire world. His patience was well worth it. As we look at scripture, for examples, there is no hard and fast rule, though, on how long you must wait, or what actions God does ask of you during the waiting, or what he doesn't want you to do during the waiting, or what tools these people use to be patient and keep the faith at all times. Hannah gives us an interesting perspective on both patience and prayer. Hannah was barren and desperately wanted a child, so much so that she went to the temple to pray. In complete distress, she silently mouthed her prayers to God. Something about her looked crazy enough that Eli, the priest there at the time, thought she was crazy, and he wanted to send her away. But when she explained her distress to Eli, and she promised that if God gave her a son, she would dedicate him to becoming a priest, he blessed her. After this, she did conceive and she bore a son, Samuel. Samuel grew to become one of the most notable and important prophets to Israel, and he greatly blessed the nation. 
In this case, Hannah makes a promise to God, something I'm very reticent to do, knowing that if I do not keep a promise or a vow, I violate scripture and I put myself in a bad position before the Lord. And yet, Hannah does it, but she keeps her promise, and God blesses her and her son. She waited. She prayed for long years. She made a promise to God and to the priesthood, and she received. Yet there's another aspect to the modern-day version of waiting on God that intrigues me. So we have all these people who waited and they prayed or they made promises to the Lord or they sought the Lord or they, you know, there's fasting in the Bible. There's all sorts of things. But we have one more, one more question that I, I've been asking myself regarding waiting on God in our prayer life. The people who did and did not wait well listed so far from scripture did not seem to have a litany of life baggage and sin weighing them down. The women had not previously been prostitutes. The men had no history of porn addiction that we're aware of or drug use to speak of. They weren't perfect people, but they weren't as prone to life altering negative behaviors as our culture seems to be now. Or at least that's what it looks like. What if God is waiting on us to repent and change before he deals with our requests? What if he cares more about our goodness than our happiness? Doesn't he care more about our goodness than our happiness? I'd say so. And what if God is asking us to repent before he deals with our requests? Bible verses like these make me wonder, and there is a longer list than this, but here's where we'll start. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So that is in contrast to the prayer of a not righteous person, right? You're supposed to confess your sins so that there's repentance. And that repentance will bring about that righteousness that you are seeking so you can have right standing before the Lord when you go to him with your prayers. 1 John 5.14 says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hmm. So we know if we're asking according to his will, he's going to hear us. But doesn't that require that we be aligned with his will? What about Proverbs 15, 29, which says the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Define wicked. Define righteous. Is just saying that you're a Christian enough to make you righteous? Hmm. Proverbs 28, 9 says this, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. John 9, 31 We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says this, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There are so many more verses than these, but these are really good ones to kind of make us question, how should we be praying? How can we pray within God's will? How can we be righteous so God hears our prayers? So the righteous have right standing to bring the request to the Lord. If we are asking according to God's will, then we're in alignment with the Lord. But if, according to James, we ask for gifts that are only in alignment with our passions, God is not going to grant those requests. According to Proverbs 28, if one is not interested in God's laws, that person's prayers may have no standing before the throne. Why? 
Well, for starters, if you don't love God's law, how can you love the author of those laws? What is your relationship with God like? According to John 9, God doesn't listen to sinners, but to those who worship God and do his will. That's in the New Testament, FYI. That is John. That's not the Old Testament. So God listens to those who worship him and do his will. Eek. See, prayers and answers to prayers are not about salvation, but they are about relationship. If you are living in opposition to God's ways, your prayers may not be heard by the Lord, at least according to these scriptures. So these are really hard verses to grapple with, and these are hard concepts to face. Luckily, we are blessed. We have a savior and an interceder on our behalf. We have Yeshua who makes us righteous if we put our trust in him. In trusting in him, we willingly hand over our lives and our sins in order to become more like him. As hard as this may sound now, this alignment will redirect our prayer lives. We will want to pray in accordance with God's will, making it much easier for God to grant our requests and giving us right standing before him. And what are you waiting on? Even with this alignment, it may take years, decades even. Just because you have not received it yet does not mean you're out of alignment. However, it doesn't hurt to ask if all that you are praying for are the sorts of things that God desires for your life. Is that how he wants to bless you? Ask God if your prayers are in alignment with his will. Ask for those things you know align with God's character. Ask for the Holy Spirit to direct your prayer life and to change your perspective on those prayers that have long gone unanswered. And do not be impatient. Do not be like Saul. Know that God loves us. And yes, there are ways that we can make it easier for him to hear our prayers to make it more likely that we'll get a response. I know that, right, you, you don't want that to be true. You want to live however you want to live, and then when you pray, God's got to answer you, right? And isn't that what the church teaches? You know, come to the Lord, his arms are always open. Well, yeah, with salvation, absolutely. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, you're you going to be saved. But aren't we abusing God when we do whatever we want and then demand that he answers our prayers? That's an abusive relationship, That's not a real relationship. This is why God is not interested in hearing the prayers of the wicked. He's not going to answer the prayers of those who live outside of his love. I don't want to live outside of his love. Maybe there's some prayers even I've been praying that he doesn't want to answer the way I want them answered. And have I been stubborn about those things? Have I really asked what he wanted? These are all questions I'm asking myself going into this new year, because while I don't have a new year's resolution, I do want to become more like Christ this new year. What I have learned over the years as I've taken one step of obedience after another is that the closer I get to God, the more I trust that he will not give me bad gifts, even if I ask for them. I'm so glad that he has not given me everything I've asked for over the years. Those things wouldn't have been good for me. He's been faithful to use the challenges and mountains that I needed moving to strengthen my character and ultimately my faith in him. I've also learned that I have the incredible ability to give bad gifts to myself and to spin my wheels pursuing worthless gain when I don't get what I want. I too often look to what the world tells me I need instead of recognizing I have always had all that I need as long as I have walked with Yeshua. I am full in health wealth, and abundance already. 
There are moments of heaven right here happening right now. I am blessed beyond measure. My cup runneth over, as David puts it. I have been given everything. I have been given the keys to the kingdom. One of the greatest ways to align yourself with God is to run to him with gratitude, even when your heart is broken over a need. Don't you know he knows? And if you love him and if you have a relationship with him, don't you know he knows? And he loves you. And if you're having to wait, there is a reason. This new year, I'm not starting with those resolutions. I'm starting with a commitment to lifetime habits, ones that keep me in gratitude and assist me to pursue faith in Yeshua. I don't need to spin my wheels to produce what I know God can produce if he desires to. I just need to ask him one day at a time, Lord, what would you have me do today? And then do just and exactly that. What are you waiting on God for? Have you asked him what he is waiting on from you? Is he asking for repentance or change in your life? Is he asking for trust? Is he asking for action? Is he saying no and you don't want to hear it? If we love the Lord, we are interested in his thoughts towards us, which are always good, and his plans are always right. As my friend did many years ago, now is the perfect time for us to submit and to give into the waiting, ready to hear exactly what God is trying to say to us and redirect us according to his will. Also, we should be ready to receive the blessings that he wants to pour out on us, which means we should faithfully walk with him whether we're getting all that we want or not. And this doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't put your mind and and your will and everything into the work that you have before you to attempt to improve yourself. These are all beautiful traits. But wouldn't it be good to ask God how first? God, how do you want me to improve this year? What do I need to do? I I promise you there are ways that God wants to redefine something in your life or discipline something in your life or change something in your life. That is a constant lifetime process. We all have those things. It's not a criticism against who you are. It's redirecting you to become who he made you to be. And that is a wonderful journey. Maybe we could commit to doing that together this year to these sorts of prayers where instead of asking God to be with us, we ask how we can be with him. He loves you dearly. And I pray that you have an unbelievably blessed new year, that the promises of God would be made full in your life and that you would find renewed faith and trust in Adonai. All right, till next week.